0: Authentic Verdict is a movement that helps motivate people to launch and start their businesses. Whether your business is big or small, or you're just looking for motivation, this podcast is for you. We chat to inspiring founders from e-commerce, blogging, local, service, and product-based businesses about the fist-pumping moments and then the dark days that you just want to give up. No two businesses are the same, however, delving into the authentic verdict of what works, what doesn't, and how to cultivate that crazy mind of yours can help set you on your way. I'm your host, Katie Eels, co-founder of online sustainable skincare store, Sabia Co. Welcome, thank you for joining me on The Authentic Verdict. How are you? I am great. So excited to be here today. Yes, thank you for joining me. I love to start off every episode with what um, you're manifesting or working on at the moment.
1: If you're happy to share. Oh God, what am I manifesting? i'm actually manifesting a bit of a job promotion right now yeah so um i feel like i'm trying to put that out into the world at the moment um and just like personal growth and stuff so yeah
0: awesome and what do you do for work and how have you ended
1: up in business as well as work so, um, currently I work as a buyer at Princess Polly and I also have my own business on the side called Hennessy, which is a jewellery label. Um, I started it off when I was working, um, but only four days a week while I was living in Bali. So, it was a really easy kind of like work-life balance um, for a startup. Um Definitely not as easy to be juggling now, but um, yeah, it was super cruisy when it first all, all happened.
0: And what made you start Hennessy?
1: Um I've always wanted my own label. It's been a dream of mine since I was really young. And it was kind of that, like, time about four years ago where there was a huge gap in the market for that layered kind of gold jewellery. There was not a lot out there, no signet rings, no cute layered necklaces. It was either, like, La Visa or <laughs> something really expensive. Yeah, so yeah. I kind of wanted to hit that, like, more middle mark. Um, and I was living in Bali at the time with some of the best silversmiths in the world and they were right at my doorstep so I thought why not this is such a good opportunity for me.
0: Awesome and when you started up did you have like a bit of a startup strategy have you studied anything do you any courses?
1: Um, I got into buying and retail at a really young age so prior to starting my business I had been working in the buying area for about like five or six years so it was a really easy thing for me to like you know I'm quite trend driven I know I know how the market works Um, I know how everything is with you know sales and all that stuff so it was quite easy for me to transition into Um, but no I haven't I haven't studied anything to get here it was just like purely experience based and working my way up
0: amazing and
1: how did you start getting into buying just
0: as a separate topic with your actual work
1: and career so um, I started off in retail when I was like 16 or something and um, I used I used to work at Dish when I was younger and I'd work in the warehouse as well as the stores and I'd help um, packing orders, I'd also go and help assist the buyers sometimes, do a bit of fit modelling, um, help them with a few admin tasks and I would do that when I was super young and then was lucky enough to land a job um, as an assistant buyer when I was 19 um so I think from there I just worked my way up and lucky enough to be in the role I am in now amazing it's crazy
0: I've always been interested in buying and understanding how it works but now that I'm in it I'm like holy fuck I don't know what I'm doing
1: Mm -mm. oh there's there's so much to it there's like you know you've got to, what's your sales like What's your forecast? How much is this going to sell for the next three months? Have you got enough stock? Like, and then it's also when you've got your own business, it's not just making sure you have the stock, but it's everything else that comes with it. Yeah. So it's it's a lot. It's, it's a lot of work.
0: Yeah, that's definitely the one thing we struggle with is stock management. And when you're growing quickly, you always double like double your order the next time. Totally. But sometimes you just can't predict what's about to happen. And yeah. it's that terrible feeling of being sold out and being on pre-sale. It's just shit. Yeah, like it's 100%. A big
1: fuck up. <laughs> totally, totally. But that stuff happens and that's like where you learn. But even um, – I'm sure there'd be like some sort of programs that would help you like forecast mm. your stock management online that you could download. And um, I think something like that could be really beneficial. It's like you pretty – it's pretty much like I used to do it in Excel and it'd be like I've sold this much. So, based on that, I need to order this much stock to last me for three months. Yeah. So, I feel like um, – yeah, you could definitely easily be able to do that online.
0: Yeah, but we just got a, a calculator thing. Yeah. is a spreadsheet. And every yeah. month we – well, we do it every week. We add in what we've sold and it tells us how much stock we have left if we keep selling like that. Yeah. Which has been like a game changer. Totally. Otherwise, you're just in that period of lull sales because not really, you know, pre-sale for what, what I do isn't really that exciting. No. But and people, for limited
1: drops, like people are keen. Totally but it is hard to sell pre-sale totally and people like want things there then and there like things are so accessible now it's like if you're putting something in pre-sale maybe they just ran out of their moisturizer or maybe they just ran out of their face mask and they don't want to wait four weeks to get a new one to get a new one so maybe they'll go elsewhere but if you've got that stock and you've you know managed all of that then it makes it so much easier
0: yeah and how did you when you did launch hennessy did you have a What was your marketing strategy? Did you have a personal
1: brand? What helped you really get it out there? Um, When I started, I probably had... I I had a bit of a... I had about 10K followers on my personal account. Um, I literally just gifted to everyone anyone and everyone I got it on them I photographed them I was you know contacting brands I can lend you jewelry for your photo shoots like it was just all about as much exposure as I could get and I feel like once you get your product on the right people it just brings more people wanting to wear it and wanting to purchase from you so that was kind of like my first tactic and it worked really well for me um and I think also being, like, living in Bali for the first while, while I started, it was a very col- – col- <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> exciting. Yeah, literally. It was a very um, collaborative place to live. Like, there's a lot of people um, moving over there to, you know, freelance – be a freelance photographer or model. And, like, everyone wants to build up their portfolio that so many people are willing to do things for free. Yeah. So, I'd, like – I worked as a stylist, so I'd style shoots – use other brands but also use my brand and then I'd work with photographers and models so it was like this constant flow of content and it was it was great so
0: and once you're in that like kind of yeah collaboration connection when people need something you're the first person they think of because you you're so open to gifting and giving to help them out that they return the favor if it's going to help align with your brand
1: totally and like working a four-day week where like I could easily just do a shoot on a Friday date or something it was it was so easy and like having my suppliers at my doorstep like I'd be like let's have a meeting tonight and I'd drive home from work and they'd come to mine in the afternoon and I'd sit there at night having a meeting with my manufacturer like that is just that's unheard of that's
0: unheard of that's amazing and how did you go about sourcing your manufacturers over oh, there. Oh,
1: my gosh. It was like – it was a journey. I've, uh, to be completely honest with you, it's taken me a really long time to get to the quality that I'm happy with and I feel like I'm finally only just getting there in the last six months because, you know, people are dodgy, people don't like, you know t- – do enough layers of gold or like they say they're you know using 18 carat they might not be and like it's really it's really been a difficult process with me for me with tarnishing and everything um so I finally got there but but to get there I literally I remember I drove up to this it's this area in Bali called Chaluk and it's it's the silversmith village and It's this long, long street and it is just like silversmith after silversmith. And I literally, I got a driver, I drove up there with one of my girlfriends who's Indonesian so she could speak to everyone and we stopped in every single shop. And I was like, this is my necklace, like it's gold plated with 18 carat three times, like the, you know, sterling silver and and I got quotes from every single one. And whoever had like the best comparable price points I then started sampling with like three different people to test quality so it was yeah. like it was a process it did that stuff just doesn't happen overnight I know some people get really lucky but it definitely jewelry you've got to be so careful with it
0: even like I have I used to always wear silver and in the last maybe four years I've switched over to gold and it's so heartbreaking when you spend like there's some big brands out there that you spend like $200 on a necklace or upwards of $300 for a pair of earrings
1: and in like two, three weeks, they're shit. It's it's horrific and I think that's been my, my biggest issue is I was paying premium cost prices for this product at the start that I just didn't feel like was resonating um, and then I was seeing these brands, you know, buy from China and they actually end up lasting a bit longer. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I've actually ended up like just recently moving my production to China. Yeah, it was it was through COVID just because the all of the silver prices went like skyrocketed in Bali. I just couldn't afford it anymore. Um and the quality from China is just like a world of difference.
0: Isn't it funny as a consumer, we expect Chinese, like when you hear it's made in China, everyone's so quick to say, oh, it's cheap and it's going to be shit quality. Mm-hmm. But it's often not. They, mm-hmm. like, we have to get our glass packaging made there because no one in Australia even wants to do it for us to begin no. with. But the quality is absolutely phenomenal and there's so many sustainable factories over mm-hmm. there because they have to be now.
1: Totally. and it's like changed. Also, they have all the machinery. They've been doing this for so many years that they are so on top of it and so advanced. So it's like they have these special plating machines that, like, they don't even exist in Indonesia. Yeah. So just that's been like a massive thing for me. But obviously, it's also like a bit of a kick in the face because I wish I did that at the start and like built up that customer rapport about with that quality and everything. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, definitely like keen to, you know. Get, it's, it's more waterproof now. It's, it's more like you can wear it in the shower. You can do all those things and yeah. that's great. So just, you know, needing to push a bit more marketing around all of that. Yeah.
0: And I feel like that's a really common marketing tactic from jewellery brands at the moment um, is like water resistant mm-hmm. marketing, which is like you want, if you're going to wear a piece, it's because you love it. You don't want to have to take it on and off. Like I don't want to have to think about having to take all my stuff off before going for a <laughs> swim in the morning, then showering, then showering at night.
1: And that's half the thing is it's like, unless you're buying costume jewellery, like a big pair of hoops or something, majority of people want to buy some little hoops they can stack and a necklace they can layer and just literally live in it. And And that's what's on trend and that's what's out there. So for a brand to be charging $200 for a necklace that tarnishes in two weeks or... You know, pe- people don't want that. It's like you—you mm-hmm. you would rather go to La Visa and and spend twenty dollars on something versus two hundred for the
0: day, if uh, that's what the
1: event's for. Literally, you know? literally. So, yeah. So no, it's it's an interesting, um, interesting. Um, I don't know, th- like process. process. It's like totally. you're always
0: learning too. Like for us, we got our first skincare manufacturer in Australia, and I was like, boom, done. We're like, this is it. We sit back and let's go. No, no. Like things change that. They don't want to stock particular products anymore or you want to expand your range, like we bring out oils and things like that. They're a dry lab, which I didn't even know was a thing. Yeah. Some labs are just dry labs, so they just do
1: powders. I'm like, what even is that? Mm-hmm. But also, like, you also outgrow suppliers. You, They might only be able to deliver so much for you. And yeah. then it's like, well, I need More. this amount of stock by this time and I need these products, which you can't get to. So, yeah, yeah you think you've, like, really, you know... Nailed it on the head, and then anything can just it's turn just around. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, it's so painful. And you, the minute that you think you've got it, it just, I feel like the universe turns around and says, ah.
1: Literally. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> literally. It's so true.
0: In that startup phase, did you have investors? Did you just do small capital? Or did you go ball to the walls and get heaps of stock?
1: Um, no, I'm still very much like a t- test and repeat. So, like, I saved up a bunch of money and like started the business with all my savings and um yeah I would I just would like test you know 12 pieces here and there and if something picked up then you go back in and I'm still very much the same obviously a little bit higher volume now but um yeah I just I, I started really low and like you've got to get a read like you're creating a brand you don't know who your customer is yet you don't know what they want and what they like and like being a buyer it's my job to analyse the customer and what they're buying and everything. So, it was like I'd rather – I gave them, like, a big range with smaller quantities and then I could go back in and design more into the things that sold. So. Yeah.
0: Oh, 100%. And it's um, – it is interesting when you – like, for us, we put our – not straight away, we started with 5K, mm. which is very achievable. Mm, mm. And yeah, then, mine was
1: t- 10 or 12K.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And people think, like, oh, I can't start a business – gonna cost me a fortune like you just start in little increments yeah and then we ended up yeah having to put our house deposit in which was terrifying but then yeah you just grow and grow and then the business starts to get that repeat customer and you're out there and the returns are coming and then like i remember buying our first stock order with money from the business and not from us and I was like holy shit like, so exciting like, it's so exciting there's no
1: feeling like it when like when you get your first sale or like
0: oh even still to this day when we have like a sales I'm like yeah like so excited yeah yeah
1: it's so it's so good because my mum is amazing and she helps pack all my orders oh, what a love her um but like when I'm over at their house and we hear the ching like, we just, we both were like, what is it when,
0: like, Dave keeps his on loud? Yeah. Because he just gets, like, a rush.
1: So, yeah, so do I. I, like, love keeping it on loud because I'm like, this is amazing. But, yeah, it's, it's good. It's funny. Oh. So funny.
0: And what about now you're in a pretty full-on role, like your career is really taking off. How are you handling personal life? You also have a personal brand that you kind of need to keep up. Not appearances, but you do need to keep it up. You have your business and also
1: your career. You've got a lot on. How do you kind of balance that work life play look it's not easy I'll be completely transparent um I think right now I'm definitely focusing more on my job at Princess Polly and my personal brand for sure versus Hennessy like I've definitely taken a massive step back from it um and I just think it all comes down to the fact that I'm like loving my new life down here I'm loving my new job and I'm just feeling so passionate about that 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 passion is like overriding that passion I was feeling a year ago for Hennessy, which sucks as well, but it's just, it's just what's happened. And I think that may even be cause I've taken a step back. Like I've, you know, I had a PR girl for a while. I've got a girl who runs my Instagram. Like I'm not as hands on as I used to be. So I think it's easy for it to like slip away. Um, but yeah, definitely like I'm like work, work and play like i feel like that's my main focus right now it's like i'm socializing i'm doing all the things for my personal brand and then working my you know full-time job and really smashing that out so yeah i feel the same and when you get to be in a
0: role that you are 100 percent passionate about for me that doesn't feel like work anymore it's like you're learning you're evolving like dave is always at me because he's like you get up and you're straight on your phone, like, listening to a podcast, you're doing this, you're doing that. I'm like, I'm learning because I fucking mm. get the chance to work in something I'm so excited about. Yeah. Every single day. I'll come here on a Saturday and
1: make Amazing. skincare
0: or do whatever I want if, if it's raining. Otherwise, yeah. I will be at the beach. Yeah. Or drinking in the afternoon. Yeah. But we're lucky to be in the chance to, totally. to do what we love. So, why not and go like, for it? Yeah,
1: you might open your phone, but if you're doing that and being proactive, if you're learning something or like watching something that's inspiring you, you're not just sitting there guilty on TikTok. (laughs) um, Oh my
0: God, I've fallen into TikTok recently. Oh, I'm
1: addicted guys. I'm literally obsessed. crazy. My 2021 goal is to become TikTok famous. So (laughs) Kat Hennessy, no, Um, but I, I, I had one. Oh my
0: God, Actually, yours are hilarious. I've seen them.
1: They are are quite funny. They are funny. Like, they are hilarious. I don't want to toot my own horn. But the one that I posted that actually wasn't that funny was the one that went viral. I was like, how is this a thing? I was like, this one is way better, but whatever. Isn't it Um, funny?
0: We've just hopped on for business. And the ones that I'm like, oh, quick, just get that up. That'll do. Do really well. The ones that I'm like, Dave, let's do this. And we'll do this. And do this. And they're shit. I'm like, what?
1: People love the real, like, random raw ones. It, Your but,
0: ones of like me on a Saturday night. Yeah.
1: At hilarious. PM,
0: first 1 p.m. Like, that's me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> relatable. And I'm like, and then they like this weird one about, I don't know. I have to watch it. Yeah. Well, I'll show you after. But yeah. So anyway, um, social media is going down a, a strange path. and
0: Isn't it bizarre? Mm, it is so bizarre. We just recently had like a meeting with a TikTok account manager for ads on TikTok. And she, like, analysed our posting. We've been doing it for, yeah, three, four weeks. And she was like, I think you should um, boost these posts and make these ads and make more content like that. I'm like, really? Like, I would never put that on Instagram, Mm. ever. Mm. I'm, like, kind of almost embarrassed that it's Mm. even on the internet Mm -hmm. to begin with.
1: Oh, my God, feels. (laughs) Let alone putting money
0: behind it and saying more people look at me.
1: But I feel like I'm, like, weirdly way different on my tiktok to my personal instagram like i post the weirdest stuff on there more
0: like how you are with your mates
1: yes which i love i feel like it's really opened up a different i don't know different world to social media like it's it's not so edited and fake it's so much more raw and real and funny like i i can just sit in bed at night and be in hysterics belly laugh hysterics i am like howling in my bedroom and my roommates are like are you okay i'm like honestly so yeah it's, i think it's really positive
0: i think it's a big positive shift towards when it first came out i was a bit concerned because mm-hmm. it was like quite a young demographic dancing i'm not really into girls you know dancing in front of a camera there's creeps out there 100 percent. so i was like oh this isn't great i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna jump on that trend um but of recent I've really started to notice like there's such a shift and it's coming into Instagram which is nice mm. like the first one was Instagram versus reality mm. which is nice because there's so many young girls that are just getting into social media and they're seeing these stunning perfected shots of beautiful girls mm. and looking in the mirror maybe they're going through hormonal acne because they've just given their first period yeah and they're comparing themselves to a very highly edited image mm-hmm.
1: and that's really really putting an effect it's on toxic it's like how, how are you meant to compare yourself to a size six flawless toned model like yeah it's who who most of it is like that people are cinching in their waists they're you know smoothing their skin it's it's just it's so it's so fake.
0: It's heartbreaking. Yeah. When we one thing when we started Sabia, like I still and I get like not anymore. But at the beginning, if I'd have a pimple, I'd be like, oh, I don't want to be on camera because mm. I own a skincare brand. My skin should be unreal. Otherwise, people which point it is. By the way, <laughs> I'm like but jealous. It's, it's like that. I had. I don't think I have an ego. I practice a lot of yoga, but I started to get an ego, and it wasn't about me being like top dog. It was about, like, I'm not as good as these people because they're stunning. And I realized there's like filters on Instagram. And I was like, fuck. And then I started, I remember there was a period where I started using filters when we were testing skincare. So we tested like 500 products over three, six months. Mm. My skin was shit because it was like, well, what's going on? We're using this, we're using this, now we're Mm, using this. mm. It was freaking out and I started using filters because I had to get on and talk to our customers. But I didn't feel confident in my skin. Mm, mm. And then I just remember one day like watching it back, I think like the next day on my personal Instagram, like seeing it, you know, when you're swiping.
1: I was like, oh, is that me? Yeah, you just look like a different person.
0: And I was like, no, that's it, I'm done, I don't care. And as soon as I like hop on and... I talk like I'm sure all of our customers know when it's my period because I talk about my hormonal breakout or whatever is going on and it's just created a beautiful community around customers now and even like some small ambassadors that we work with. Like, oh, because you hop on and talk about your pimple and talk about spot treatment, I feel comfortable to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, oh, actually, if you bump into someone down the street that you've seen on Instagram, they don't look like they do on Instagram. Oh,
1: God, no. And you want a normal – like, I've been up into like – influencer events and i'm like hold mm. that like who that literally who is that and then
0: you see them and then you're like on hey, hang on you're like, hang on there.
1: thank you um yeah. but but i think it's so great that all of this stuff is getting normalized and it's like you know talk about periods talk about you know body image talk about all these things that are such taboo topics and i feel like now they're all becoming so much more i just like even like i feel like abby chatfield's a great example yeah like she's normalizing sex and it's so great um uh ali who is the owner of Hara the label she does a lot of stuff about like periods and like you know h- having like hair all those things that it's like it's so normal for a female and it's like we feel like we can't speak about these things you not you feeling like you can't do a video when you have a pimple like people want to relate to someone and you're going to find more people out there that are going to relate to your pimple than more girls that aren't. Yeah. 100%.
0: And it's – I'm so pro for this female-type movement that we're seeing on Instagram. Like, a lot of girls talking about infertility, Mm -hmm. um, endo. For me, like, one big thing is, like, I've never been on contraception and I haven't fallen pregnant. And I'm like, oh, shit, is it – when – whole time I was like no that's great 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 and then a few influencers that we've worked with are going through like IVF a bunch of my friends are mm. young my age 27 and I was like shit uh, is, is this something I need to be concerned about and due to that movement on Instagram I went and got my eggs tested i did like do the full thing I'm fine it's good to go but it like relieved this anxiety that every month I felt at my period time mm-hmm. I was like oh, God, I got my period again maybe I'm not fertile like mm, mm. maybe all the years that I was doing whatever I was doing have done some damage and I'm gonna have to go through that and now I feel like the confidence like okay we don't need to rush into having a baby straight away mm-hmm. or trying for a baby because everyone's like oh my god you're gonna try
1: for a baby because it's gonna take six years i like Fuck, take the pressure off. Literally. I think people put way too much pressure on so stuff. So much pressure. But even like six years ago, I didn't even know what endo was. That was never something that was – like I used to get severe cramps growing up. Like it wasn't even raised as an issue no. to the extent where I'd have to have like quite hectic painkillers. And, I mean, I'm I'm good now. Like I've I've just gone off the pill in December. Like my skin's like kind of getting back to normal, but I'm seeing a naturopath and like doing all the things to, you know, get myself back – to be, you know to the norm yeah but yeah i just lost my train of thought
0: no but it's funny like i i had two ovarian cysts removed one at 16 wow. and one at 18. one the size of rock melon the second one the size of a grapefruit as a 16 year old sorry rock melon like eight and a half centimeters
1: by nine and a half
0: and i remember like not wanting to tell my mum about it because never...
1: ah! oh i just screamed into the microphone for everyone
0: all right, guys. We just got the fright of our life from the neighbors. <laughs> We've
1: cut out a little bit of
0: a little bit of a section. We, really. we were
1: literally just sitting here, and a dog just ran into the glass door, <laughs> and we both just jumped like we were like, "Oh!" Didn't know what it was. Anyway, it was Katie's neighbor in the building, and his dog ran into the and door. And his pooch. Thanks, Gypsy tails yeah, for the stitch up. Yeah, literally hilarious.
0: Um, but how do you feel about the impact that you've had? with the community, more so, I guess, your personal brand? Because I feel like you do show up very authentically. You're not filtered. I enjoy, that's how I kind of met you through Instagram and I just enjoy what you put out there. So how have you felt about the impact in the community that you've been able to build through social media?
1: Look, it's been like a bit of a journey for me. I think after like everything with Bachelor, I was really reclused for a while and I was really scared to be myself and speak out and, I don't know just be me and I feel like ever since moving down here and you know I've been like hanging out with Lucy and Nikki more since moving down and going on their podcast and like actually getting positive engagement back from people and people like loving me for who I am it's really helped me step into that next phase and just and just be myself and um, that's been that's been great for me but I just I don't know, I'm a, I'm a big personality and I think people like me for my personality and for what I put out there and my honesty and my stories and, um, yeah, my engagement's so much higher when I'm speaking to the camera and being myself. So, I just it's just me trying to do that a little bit more, I think, being single, being happy, being, you know, in a good place. I feel like the
0: emphasis that you have on being me and being... Not that, like, single should be a stigma... But it's empowering. Like, I loved my years as being single. Mm. I felt so empowered by making choices for myself. Mm -hmm. It's such a liberating state, but we're so quick to think that success in life is having a partner, getting married, doing all these things. It's not. Like, it's being liberated in your personal self and being happy alone is far more personal success than having. A
1: companion, hundred percent like that any day of the week I would rather be living down here doing my thing going out meeting new people than being where I was a year and a half ago miserable in a relationship that was really toxic and i'm like a completely different person now it's like you'd rather be single and doing your own thing than in a relationship and miserable and i think there's a lot of people out there that do settle for less than what they deserve and even some of my best friends do it like i see it all the time happen and i'm i don't know i can be sometimes maybe a bit quick to judge or a bit stern but that's probably why i'm not with a dropkick and why i'm single hey if you're out there (laughs) um but it's
0: it's so true i think my past relationship was potentially like i'm at the age now he's nice enough yeah but i think once i made that decision it was very hard it was quite traumatic um but once i made that decision i felt this like I feel like that's reborn. It's so mm-hmm. so dramatic. Mm-hmm. No, it's but not. the way I was with myself and the language towards myself, I enjoyed, like, going for a walk on the beach and just going to... I was in Europe a lot, so... Getting your
1: own routine. Going you, for a wine you on love? your own,
0: doing things on your own, like, not being like, okay, darling, at 6pm, like, what would you like to have for dinner? Like, mm-hmm. fuck it, tonight I don't really feel like dinner. I'm going to have a bath and read a book and go to bed.
1: And like, I guarantee if... I was still in a relationship with my ex, I wouldn't be here right now. I wouldn't be here doing this. I would have like driven home. I, I probably wouldn't have been putting myself out there enough on social media to be someone that would even be on a podcast. So it's like all those little things. It's like, what do you love? What makes you happy? What is your routine? Cause it's like, you don't want to grow your life and grow your personality alongside someone else. You want to become someone and know what you love and know, know what makes you tick and then have someone come and like join that journey yeah, with you,
0: I compliment it. 100%. I'm feeling like I think everyone goes through that initial phase when you meet someone, you're infatuated, your life becomes one. And I'm finally like stepping back. I think the business is a huge thing for me, and it's a, like that's my passion, it's my baby, and I'm finally getting back into that rhythm of like my single girl energy of not going out and being wild, but saying yes to things and not being like oh like it's monday i have dinner with dave i'm like no fuck it i'm gonna go i'm going to see the girls all weekend i won't be home until tuesday night amazing and i bet when you're there you have the best time i have the best time and i come home and i love dave more than i ever love him literally because i'm like i'm excited to see you let like we've got something to talk about it's not like oh like we're just doing that like grind it's Mm, boring mm, totally and i think a lot of my girlfriends struggle letting their partners
1: leave and do mm. things like mm. that. But it's so important.
0: It's the best. I love it. I just went on a trip to Tassie with my girlfriend. Randomly, didn't even tell Dave that I booked it, and I was like, "Oh, I'm going to Tassie tomorrow, see ya." And he was like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah, I don't know." And then I came home, and I was like, "We just had, we're in complete awe of each other." Amazing. And he was like, "There she is. Like you, you sparkle, you shine when you do things for you, and yeah. we're just so quick to like fall into this." I think. You know, our age group is very different to our parents' age group, but you see the parents' relationship and it is such a team effort, which is beautiful, but I think it's changing and it...
1: 100%. percent got to be you. It's, I mean, it's hard. Like, me being someone who's such an advocate of, like, being single and being happy. Like, I went away last weekend, um, stayed at one of my girlfriend's farms in Bangalore and it was uh, three married couples one of them are expecting one of them just bought a house and the other are like, they're like, we're meant to get married last year, but it's happening. They're renovating. Like I just felt so, I felt like I was getting left behind and mm. I actually left it feeling really shit about myself. And that's the first time I've kind of felt like that in a while. And, you know, you've kind of got to take a step back and like, take a deep breath and go, no, like that's not my path. And I have other goals, which is like my career and all of those things. And it's like, even if I was to meet the love of my life right now, like I don't want children right now. I don't want them for a few more years. And mm. yeah, it was, it was, it was really hard. Like I had a bit of a shitty time last weekend, just thinking about it and being like, Oh, like, am I going to meet the right person? Cause I've had so many failed dates and so many shitty experiences that it's like, when, when am I going to meet my guy?
0: Yeah. I feel like that when I spend time with my single girlfriends and we go out and I come home and I'm like a little bit envious because they're like very carefree. But then we have the conversations like that they're envious of what I have and it's just like different paths and different things. The but grass is always greener. It is and that's what I always say to them. I'm like quick to be like, hey, but I wish that I could go to justin lane on tuesday night and get absolutely lit up and have no one to answer to literally not that dave would make me
1: answer to him but no, he'd but be it's, like, a, it's a different he'd text
0: me and be like Dale, are you okay like it's eight o'clock where are you
1: priorities I know are you're different. not working <laughs> like... totally no it's it's a thing
0: it's changed
1: yeah i went i went on an 11 hour date the other weekend <laughs> oh <my God>. literally <laughs> it was the best date i've ever had i left there i was like a skipping at work the next day Aww. And then that following week I find out that he'd dropped me home in the morning and he'd driven to Brisbane and he'd gone and slept with another girl. Ah oh. and I was like I, I had this like glimmer of hope that not all men are like fast <laughs> And then I was like, hang on you <laughs> like no it was just it was so disheartening. I just I really felt like this connection and this really good thing and I'm like, well fuck if like we had this amazing time together and you can still go and some do something like that then. There's no hope.
0: <laughs> no, it's, it's tough. It's really tough. And I think like, that's not even just with relationships and meeting guys. I think that's just in life in general. Like, we, we're so quick to, like, I think the world that we're living in is, is so fast. We judge fast as much as we don't think or want to say that we judge. We're so quick to judge people and say yes or no, this or that. And then, like, when things like that happen, it makes you really, like, pull back and be like, oh, mm-hmm. like, was that just a front? And mm-hmm. the same as Instagram and marketing and things like that. It's, you see something for one layer, mm. but there's so many layers behind that. 100%. And you just got to learn to be a bit more resilient. It's not nice. Like, mm. it's all shit. And it's shit when people act like that. But it is an interesting journey. And I think that the way our generation has learnt to date with Tinder and Bumble, it's very quick. Everything's like really quick surface level stuff. People are just like, on to the next. What's hot? I can have anything I want. I've got like six people swiping. Literally. I don't know which way it is because I've never had Tinder.
1: Swiping right is yes. Is yes. Swiping left is a hell no. Is a hell no. Hell no.
0: But I think like our culture and our age group is so quick to be like, yep, 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 I can. And they think that they can have a lot more than is reasonable. Mm -hmm. You don't need to have that much.
1: No, 100%. But it's like we're spoiled for choice and spoiled for pretty much everything you can have it at this like snap of your fingers so no wonder why people are like this
0: a quick like that what is some of the best advice you've been given whether it's on a personal brand or for the business or career something you're happy to share
1: I guess I'm I'm very like intuitive and I think my biggest thing is like always trust your gut The amount of times that my gut has told me to do something and I've been like, no, and I go against it and then it just proves me wrong or right or whatever every time. So I think that would be, if if you're feeling something, go with it, be yourself, do what makes you happy, take risks. If you're under 30, even over, even if you're under 40, actually, no, no. Scrap you all of that. Are. Whoever you are, at whatever stage of your life, like take risks and do stuff. Like I, I remember I was I was in a really bad place when I was 22 and suffering really badly from anxiety. And mum and dad were like, "You need to quit your job. You need to go travelling. You need to like get away and like do some soul searching." And I was like, oh, "I'll fall behind in my career," and you know, made up all these excuses. And then I did it because I had this amazing support and guidance from my parents and it was the best thing I ever did. And I'm almost like, oh, I wish I travelled for longer now. I'm like, now I almost feel like I'm, like, too old to do that again career-wise. But, yeah, I just think, like, follow your heart, trust your gut and just take take risks because you're never going to do anything that – I don't know, if you don't take a risk, are you ever going to, like, be really proud of it in 10 years? Towards it. I'm
0: all about your first life is, like, 18 to 28 and you just – do you like be Mm. really selfish Mm. give everything you want to go and then like i always wanted to have a child before i was like 25 at Mm. least i was Mm. like i'm done at 25 like having kids over 30 is gross i'm going to have kids over 30. yeah and that's a weird thing for me to comprehend but also
1: amazing how much like better of a mum will you probably be then because you'll be in like such a better headspace yourself and you'll know what you what what i want you can give to a child as well
0: i met Dave and we've both individually traveled. We know who we are as yeah. people. And now we just get to compliment each other. Whereas if I had married my high school sweetheart, I would have always been looking at friends traveling and travel blogs and been like, oh, I want to do that. And I mm. would have resented that. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad I got to just do all the weird and wonderful things that I did. And now I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I can actually, not that it's settling, because our relationship is definitely not like a boring settling relationship
1: which is amazing
0: but that's i think because we got to know each other as like individuals first mm-hmm. and we're like oh this is what i like if you like it let's go mm-hmm. Whereas i think people just end up in those like relationships where it's like oh this will do this mm. is safe
1: mm. ew boring ew. Ew. ew do you have any
0: favorite quotes
1: favorite quotes um live it love it fuck it no just kidding Um, No, just kidding. I feel like I always say that it's off some movie and they're like, live it, love it, fuck it. And I'm like, okay. I don't know why it sticks in my head. Um, Trust your gut, follow your heart. Just, Just be your authentic self as much as you can. 100%
0: all about authenticity Mm -hmm. if anyone wants to get to know you and your business where can they find you on socials most of all we want to see your tiktoks yeah
1: oh so tiktok (laughs) and instagram is both cat hennessy c-a-t underscore h-e-n-e-s-e-y it's a bit of a weird spelling so everyone does it wrong and then my brand is also called hennessy but you will find that on um, my account it's all linked on there so
0: yeah Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me and talking about more than just business, but I think it's really important to touch on what all of the kind of next coming generation and even our generation needs to hear is a bit of self-love and a bit of self-purpose.
1: Absolutely. No, thanks so much for having me. It's been so fun. Amazing. Thanks, guys.